Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Paul's epistle to the Philippians and chapter 4, reading for our text, the 6th verse, verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Apostle, in closing his epistle to these brethren, he sets before them that which shall be a practical help, a help especially in their thoughts those things that arise because of the path that they're walking, the troubles, the trials, the difficulties, and the propensity for us to have great worry and anxious care over these things. And this is what the word means, careful, or to not have anxious care, or to worry, Be careful for nothing. Obviously, God's children do have to be careful. They are to redeem the time because the days are evil. They are to be a people that are not slovingly but diligent in their business and to work not as unto man but as unto the Lord. So that does need carefulness. But that is not what is set before us here. It is anxious care. It is worry. It is burdensome care. Care that takes over the mind, the thoughts. There is a real burden. And this is then the Apostle's direction to them. Be careful for nothing but... In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I want to look this morning firstly at the foundation on which these directions are based, and then secondly, what not to do. Our text says that we are not to be full of worry, be careful for nothing. But then thirdly, what we are to do, and that is be in prayer and supplication with thanksgivings, making our requests made known unto God. And then lastly, I want to look at the promise that is attached to these directions, which is in the following verse, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So let us look firstly at the foundation. Be careful for nothing. Why and how can the Apostle 
set forth a word like this. Well, obviously bound up with the word what not to do is what to do, which implies that in the Lord and through prayer and through requests made to him, there is that which shall deal with those things that are causing us care and worry. But we would especially think of that which our Lord taught and no doubt John had, uh, the Apostle Paul rather had uh, much mindful of this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, chapter 6. We have the Lord teaching from verse 25. He says, Therefore I say unto you, this is after he has said that no man can serve two masters, either you hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then he says, Therefore I say unto you, we wouldn't think first, would we, that uh, a anxious care and thought and God's provision for us should be something that would be indicative of whom we were serving, whether serving man or serving God, serving of this world or serving the Lord. But that is the connection that the Lord puts it here. And so he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought, or again this is anxious thought, for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? So he puts in, a balance in this, the worth of the body itself and those things that are put on or put in it, the life itself, then he directs to the fowls of the air. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Beautiful, simple parable. A parable that we can see every day. We see the fowls of the air. and We see God's provision for them. And then a reminder of how helpless we are through our thoughts to do anything. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore take no thought, again there's no anxious 
thought, no worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, or put it this way, those who do not know the Lord, those that are without, those that are of the world. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought, no anxious thought for the morrow, some of you may have those things for the morrow that you are with anxious thought, you burdensome, cares over them. The morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. The apostle would have known very well the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, a large section of teaching and very practical, applying to our lives. The Lord would say, these things that concern you are burdens, a worry. These are things that have at the root of it whom we are serving, whether we are serving God or serving this world. And the basis of the apostles' then exhortations in this way, it centres in God himself. Paul is writing to God's children. In another place he says, "Ye are not your own, ye are bought with a price. Shall not God care for those that are his own, those that he has purchased, those that he has bought, of course he will. Our Lord has said, Your heavenly Father careth for you. Are you much better, more worth uh, than many sparrows? God's care. He is, as set forth in John 10, the good shepherd. The shepherd careth for the sheep. What care has the sheep when he has a good shepherd? for food, for protection, in all that might befall the sheep. All it needs is a good shepherd. And the Lord states very clearly, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. We read in another place that God commendeth his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that is the basis of his care over us. If he has died for us, if then he has quickened us by his grace, then shall he not care for us? Shall he not watch over us? Shall we care for ourselves more than he does? Part of his church, can we care for the church more than our Lord cares for his church. For love's sake, he will attend to the needs of his people. For his honour's sake, he shall not leave his people. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. 
There is a basis wherever there are those precepts, practical uh, injunctions and exhortations in the word of God. If we were to help a friend in need, if they were distressed and troubled, we wouldn't just say to them, look, just don't worry, and not give them any basis, not give them any uh, prospect of help or any reason why they should not worry. There is a basis. The holy inspired word of God sets before us our Creator, our Redeemer, our elder brother born for adversity, the captain of our salvation, the head of the church of God, our bridegroom, one that careth for his people. And may we not forget that when we are so tempted to anxiousness, care and burden, sometimes not over ourselves, but over our loved ones, others, others as well. What shall this man do? So often is the case. What is that to thee? Follow thou me. But in our text, there's not just a implied and giving a reason for the directions but the directions are there and very plain and I want to then look at them in the second place what not to do sometimes we need to put these things as it were in small Measures so that we can really have it clearly fast, fastened on our mind. Our text says, be careful for nothing. Don't have anxious, burdensome worry for anything, nothing. If it's a small thing or a great thing, whatever it is, it shouldn't be something that causes us to have such anxious worry and concern. The Lord has seen fit to give us an example of such concern and worry in one of his children in Martha, the end of Luke chapter 10. And we read of our Lord going into a house where we're told a certain woman named Martha received him as her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And we read this, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. It was a burden to her, a worry, a concern to her. And it came out because she said to the Lord, Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Now the Lord didn't do that. He didn't. 
But he gently reproved her. He said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. There's the real reason. This is the real explanation of this. Be careful for nothing. Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. And we can see in this illustration, and may we remember that the Lord loved Martha, and yet here these worries, these burdens, even round the Lord, it was preventing her from sitting at the Lord's feet and hearing his word. And if we're honest, there be many times that our worries and concerns, they stop us from hearing the word. How many times have you started to hear as we've read the word in the house of God and then suddenly realise we've got to the end of it and your mind has been elsewhere. You haven't been on the reading, haven't been thinking about it at all. And you can actually do that. I can do it when I'm reading. I can read a passage even aloud and get to the end of it and realise that I've read it just automatically. And those who have been listening have probably had no idea that I've actually not even taken in a thing about what I've been reading because the mind has been so burdened and preoccupied with, with other things. And... This is the word what not to do. And we are liable with our own hearts. We reason things through. And and we try to work out what to do and how to do things. But when the word of God comes to us in, in this way, it tells us in no uncertain terms, what not to do. Be careful for nothing. Have anxious care and worry about nothing. Don't let these things so bow you down, so worry you, make you so anxious, so careful. Be careful for nothing. So Mary, may we remember that very simple statement of the word of God. And it's hard to worm out of it, isn't it? Because there's nothing that you can put in there and say, well, that can be an exception and that can be an exception. No, for nothing. So if that's what we're not to do, what are we to do? What are we to do instead? The Word of God is full of things like this. These examples that there's not to be left a void, an emptiness, because something else will take its place. Now the Lord told a very solemn parable 
with one that the devils went out of a man and he went through places seeking rest, finding none. He comes back to his own house. He finds it swept and garnished and he takes to him seven devils worse than the first. The latter end of that man is worse than the beginning. What went wrong? Things were cast out, but nothing was put in to replace it. We can be sure we can deal with perhaps one besetting sin, one sin in our lives, we get rid of it. It please we got rid of it. But what's taken its place? Something else, maybe many other things, have taken its place. They used the time that that used. They engaged the thoughts and affections that that which we thought we got rid of and had got rid of, used. There's something else. And so that's why the Apostle says when he writes the Romans, if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And what it is, it's replacing the deeds of the body with the things of the Spirit. So it's when we are tempted to evil, when we would spend time on forbidden and wrong things, that we spend that time in the word of God, in right things. The evil things are pushed out by that which is good. The children of Israel, when they went into the promised land, they were forbidden to take the whole land at once. And the reason was, lest the beasts of the field increase upon them. They were to, as they grew in number, then they were to enlarge their coasts and take over more of the Canaanites' land so they could fill that land. They weren't to get the conquest of all the land and then be thinly scattered throughout all of that land, though to take it gradually. And so it is with the Lord with his people. They are to be taught as they are able to bear it, and as they grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, then those other things are dealt with, are pushed out. And so here is not just taking away the carefulness and the anxiousness and the worries, it's replacing it. It's putting something in its stead. And may we never only look at half of a direction, half of the word of God, but add on the other. And the other is what we are to do. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Then what is it to do? First is this, to take everything to God in prayer. One beautiful way of looking at it is to view every worry, every care, everything that causes anxiousness as a gift 
that the Lord has given us to give us something to take to him in prayer. Many of us say, I don't know what to pray for, don't know how to pray, don't know what to bring to the Lord. The Lord would say in our text, you bring those things you worry about. You take them to the Lord. As scriptures say, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain you. And if you look in the margin for burden, it is gift. Cast thy gift upon the Lord. And so those things that are too hard for us, we are to bring to the Lord in prayer. Our text really teaches us what things that we are to pray to God over. But in everything by prayer. You see the the two words in the thing we're not to do, be careful for nothing. But then in the balance, the other side, it's everything. It's going from nothing to everything. There's nothing that escapes the path of prayer. We're to bring it to the Lord. God has appointed that men pray. Men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord hears and answers prayer. We have the throne of grace. We have the mercy seat, the blood-sprinkled mercy seat. We have the Lord. If ye ask anything in my name, I will do it. Whatsoever prayer, supplication be made by any man, says the uh, Solomon in the dedication of the temple, then hear thy every one that knows the plague of his own heart, then hear thou in heaven and forgive. Do according as is petitioned to thee. The encouragement right through the word of God is to pray. The Lord said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So the first thing, is a simple direction to pray. But what do we pray? What do we actually bring before the Lord in prayer? Our Lord's parable of the publican and the Pharisee in the temple makes it very clear that two can be praying, but the prayers are not be right. The Pharisee was not asking anything. He was telling God all his own goodness. And that doesn't mean to say that we do not tell the Lord things in prayer. In our text here, it is, let your requests be made known unto God. With Abraham's servant going to get a wife for Isaac, he made known to the Lord at the well what his errand was and then made his request concerning the woman that he would ask to give water to him. And so it was with Jacob as well. He told the Lord as he wrestled with him concerning Esau coming 
how Esau was coming, how he feared for his life and the little ones, and then made his petition. The scripture pattern, though the Lord does know everything, and our text says, requests be made known unto God, and you might say, but the Lord already knows, he knows these things. But no, they are to be made known unto God. And so the prayers are to be in such a way that we are asking. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Our Lord said, If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall the your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit, or in the other rendering, give good gifts to them that ask him. So it is prayer, but it is also asking for something, making a request. Often feel in prayer it is good to follow the pattern in a sense of what is termed the Lord's Prayer, our prayers should be in adoration and in praise. It should be of making the Lord aware of those things that we're going through, bringing it to him. When the disciples had taken up the body of John Baptist after he'd been beheaded, they went and buried it and then went and told Jesus. And very often we need to do that. He is a friend, he is one that we can go and tell, tell the Lord Jesus. But what here then is are things that have been asked, things that have been requested, and those requests are being made known to God. No, is not dictating, is not demanding, is is not uh, dictating or demanding make your demands known unto God it's requests and it's supplications asking supplicating the Lord and there will be those things that we ask for some things the Lord won't grant he didn't grant to Martha what she wanted her sister to help her he didn't grant the Apostle Paul, that the thorn in the flesh be taken from him, but he did give grace instead. And with Martha, the Lord gave her a gentle rebuke, and sometimes we can have that in prayer as we're praying, as we're bringing these things to the Lord, the Lord turns it to a gentle rebuke. We are bidden to pray for our enemies. Maybe they are the cause of care, and a burden to us. But as we pray for them, the Lord turns it about and shows us that we also have done those same things to others. And so it is a, a reproof to us and still a direction, an answer that we didn't perhaps expect, but nevertheless it is an answer. And so what to do? It is to make supplication, to ask, to request. But that's not all. It says here, 
with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Now I believe we need to be very careful in this. Be not to go to the Lord when something is causing us great worry and concern and we forget everything that the Lord has done for us. We forget that he's called us. We forget that he's fed us. He's watched over us. He's given us a house and a bed and loved ones and friends and freedom of worship and a holy Bible and the word of God in our own tongue. And we forget all of the blessings and all of the mercies that we've had and over all of the years and we come in a way, Lord, give me this and until you give me this, then I'm not going to give any thanks. You give me this, I'll thank you for that. I'll thank you for what you give me. But until that's done, there'll be no thanks in my prayer. No, that is not the way that is here. I believe it is that while there is supplication and prayer being made, there's also thanksgiving. Also thanksgiving. is one of our hymns. Hymn. In seven, seven, eight, the last verse of, of, of that hymn. Uh, I'll find it. Um, seven, 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 eight. For blessings like these, you can read later the the whole hymn. For blessings like these, so bounteously given. For prospects of peace and foretaste of heaven, tis grateful, tis pleasant to sing and adore, be thankful for present, and then ask for more. Be thankful for present, and then ask for more. And it's a good thing to remind ourselves as well as coming in thanksgiving to God, it is reminding ourselves of how much the Lord has done for us. How many other answers to prayer we've had. How many other times that we began feeling very anxious, very troubled, and the Lord appeared. He stilled the waves and the billows. He dealt with those things. And it's good at times when fresh cares and troubles and concerns come upon us that we are reminded of those things. We don't let them lie forgotten in unthankfulness and without praises die. How balanced are our prayers how much asking, how much thanksgiving, how much are we mindful of prayer that has been answered. The other aspect here as well, when are we to pray? Are we just to say, well, our private devotions, they are when we get up in the morning, when we go to bed, and our family devotions, and we just leave it to them. 
But is it not a case of when we have that opportunity to turn aside that we then pray in that very time? Sometimes it might not even be audibly. But our heart uplifting and crying to God. We read of Nehemiah was very fearful when he, the king noticed that he was sad in his presence. He cried unto the Lord, no audible, but the Lord appeared for him. This poor man cried, says David in Psalm 34. And the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his troubles, but he was standing before the Philistines. They wouldn't have known he was in prayer. They wouldn't have known he was crying unto the Lord, but he must have been, as it were, in threat of his life, so so full of worry and concern, and yet here he is praying. And so it is instant in prayer. And in thanksgivings. You know, there's been those times with us that we've been blessed in a a service and we've gone out to the car and before we started the engine, gone home, we've given thanks for what we've heard, for the blessing on the word. And was the last time you couldn't wait to get home or wait to a set time. You had to give thanks then. Or in asking, when full of care, you had to do so instantly, immediately. We can have cares at any time, can't we? We can have anxious care at any time. Why cannot we have prayer at any time? That men ought always to pray and not to faint. And so there is a giving of thanks. Jehoshaphat they were told that the Lord would go before them and they went forth to battle they were told they would not need to fight in that battle they went forth praising and blessing God and the Lord appeared for them so there's that which we are to do and then lastly there's a promise that is attached to it, is joined to it. Really it emphasises the blessedness of the advice given and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. Sometimes we forget the connections, don't we? You think, what a beautiful blessing if we had the peace of God that passeth all understanding. What if we had that? Would we join that thought, that blessing to times when we're full of care, anxious care? when we feel our minds so weak and our hearts, as it were, to be so trembling, 
But we think that the passage and way to still our poor troubled hearts and keep our minds would be a path where we seek to put away from us, to not be full of worry, but to be full of prayer and supplications and giving of thanks. Maybe think of those things that are joined together in our text and what follows. This beautiful promise. It doesn't say, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding might keep your hearts and minds. It shall. One of the Lord's shalls. Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Every blessing comes to us through him. Our prayers are offered in his name. It is he that we read of that Sermon on the Mount that gives these directions in the first place in which the Apostle is enlarging and putting in a practical way to the Philippians. And may it be then a word to us, a word for today and tomorrow, a word when we do have those things we are so worried and filled with anxious care over. Let this be the Lord's word for you and I here. And it be in that way we are led to Christ, led to Calvary, led to what he endured, what he suffered on the accursed tree. He was in control there. The disciples were not. But the Lord brought and wrought the great salvation of the people of God in a time when the dear disciples, they knew not what was going on at all. We trusted it should have been he that should have redeemed Israel. But the Lord, he was managing those crowns. He was managing all that was happening. He was in control. I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. It's a blessed thing if the Lord uses those things which not walking in this way would lead us away from him, but in walking in this way uses them to bring us to him and brings us into that close communion with our Lord. May the Lord then bless this word. And may we have that fellowship and that peace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ most precious to us. Amen. Mm-hmm.